WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to Impact Exposure. Exposure is 88.9 The Impact's one-hour forum discussing relevant issues affecting the MSU community. And now, tonight's Exposure. Emmanuel Berry, and you're listening to Impact Exposure. It's 7 p.m., and polls in six states have just closed. One of those states, the battleground of Virginia, which has 13 electoral votes. We will continue to update you throughout the night with results as they come in. But plenty of election coverage for you guys uh, here on the Impact. We will talk about international students, uh, how they feel about the election, review election memes, and hear from voices around campus about the day. But first, it's time to bid farewell. A farewell to advertising. This election season has bombarded the public with ads. Some were memorable and others were utterly ridiculous. And after today, they're gone. Well, at least that is until the next election rolls around. So to give the ads a proper farewell, I spoke with recently retired professor in the Department of Advertising at Michigan State University, Bruce Vandenberg. So we've seen what feels like, I would say, a billion ads uh, this election yeah. season. Uh, what is it that makes a campaign ad effective, or are they effective at all? Yeah, well, it is a $64,000 question, as, as we say. But um, one, you know, advertising in general, including political ads, talk to the already converted, typically. Typically. Mm-hmm. And, and I think their strategy usually is if you can reinforce the people you already have, then they're gonna, they have friends who might be undecided at work or you know, in the neighborhood and something or in their family, and maybe they'll help you, you know, convince, convince you know, uh, them to, to vote for you. So ads, I never see ads, even normal product ads, as really converting a lot of people, unless it's for a new product. Mm-hmm. But if it's for an existing product, it's typically reinforcing, typically, we, as we say, one idea, one concept per ad, so if you're going to say Obama hasn't brought the economy back as fast as he should have, that's your one idea, and everything else you say in the ad is on that point. Mm-hmm. So we talk, in advertising we talk about you know takeaways. So what are people taking away from the ads? What people are taking away are typically already what their bias is. So people, my feeling is, this is my bias, <laughs> is that people vote their bias, and then mm-hmm. they rationalize that bias. Mm-hmm. And so most ads talk to the bias because an ad is fleeting. So you can't say a lot. So you have to say something fairly provocative, fairly dramatic, and something also, while trying to be a little bit provocative, safe enough that you don't offend somebody and find yourself in the headlines for entirely the wrong, wrong reasons. Reason. Yeah, yeah. So, not not all good. Not yeah. all press is good press sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's more. I see political advertising in a very odd way. More like I call, in marketing, we call it a maintenance factor. You have to do it. You have to do it to keep up with the other side. Whether it gets you ahead at all, is, you knows? just don't want to lose ground. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How do uh, political ads differ from typical advertising? Um, are yeah, are there different rules that apply to political ads, or yeah, vice versa? Yeah, because you know, product ads are covered by commercial speech, so they're protected by commercial speech, but. You're not allowed to say just anything, whereas political ads are protected by the First Amendment. So other than libeling somebody where you get taken to court for saying something that's untrue and, and hurting them, uh, you can say just about anything, you know, so and they do. Rain. <laughs> and, and they do. And that explains it. I always, you know, I see political ads, if, you know, if you look at politicians, and a lot of politicians are lawyers or they have law degrees. Not all of them, but probably more than half is my guess. So I see political ads almost like lawyering and advertising. So if you if you kind of translate it back to a courtroom, and you know, and, and what do you do in a courtroom? You, know, you try to discredit the other side. You try to provide evidence that your side is right, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. I mean, political ads to me look almost like that, only in, in the form of an advertisement. So you know, they go after each other. They try to discredit each other. You know, they take personal shots at each other, and we all sit there and go. Do you think that because, you know, in, in typical advertising, yeah. you're you're not supposed to lie, and, you know, in regular yeah. commercials, do you right. think that people uh, kind of don't realize that there isn't the same kind of legal standard with political ads that there is with uh, regular advertising and kind of just buy yeah, into I think it? You, I think you're right. I, I would bet that most people don't understand the difference. Yeah. You know, so we have the, you know, we have the Federal Trade Commission. We have all these federal regulatory bodies, 
you know, to regulate uh, product ads. So at least we eliminate outright deception. And after that, it's salesmanship or what we call puffery, and most people kind of understand that. And then if a product doesn't live up to its claims, typically it fails. So we have that whole thing. But, but there's a, no... But with a politician, you know, <laughs> once you've elected them, you know, for, for, some, for some positions you have them for, you know, two years, some for four, some for six years, and so on. So you're kind of stuck with them for that period of time. I, and I know that by the end of this election, uh, I felt more assaulted, I guess, by the sheer number of ads leading up to, like, these last couple of weeks before yeah. the election. Is, is that actually true? Is that just in my head, or are they pulling out more and more ads no, the I think closer you, look, you get? No, you look at the, just the pure amount of money that they're spending. Of course, we're not in a, in a swing state. We're in an almost swing state, but not quite a swing state. So, but if I look at the... I was looking at it today, in fact, the kind of money... Both Obama and, and Mitt Romney spent over $100 million just in Ohio. You know, just in Ohio. <laughs> so the poor people of Ohio feel bad for the people. Yeah, you know, I, I feel bad for Ohio, Ohio too, you know, for once. No. I know that little girl's crying. Um, you know, and she doesn't want to see, it, see them anymore. But, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a pure bombardment. Of course, the other side is economic. The media love it. You know, the local TV stations and so on love it, right? Because mm-hmm. this is the time of year they're making tons of money, and some of them have actually gone on TV and... And said that, so it's great for them, but you just have to have that. Sh- it's you know we call it share of mind in advertising. You have to establish that share of mind, and you have to maintain it. So they both know in a close election they have to they have to establish and maintain at least a fifty percent share of mind. So if Romney's spending a hundred million, Obama has to spend a hundred million, and and vice versa. You know, the messages. Some of it has to do with the quality of the messages and, and stuff like that. But the pure media weight mm-hmm. is what they're you know. They're trying to establish. In addition to seeing more ads, I've also felt like the ads have become progressively more negative, or at least right here at the end, this this last day or so, that they've gotten kind of nasty. Is, is that a, a tactic, or am I just imagining things? Yeah, well, uh, we do know from research, especially from research into news stories, that people pay attention more to negative stories than they do to positive stories, because if they paid more attention to positive stories, you'd have more positive stories. I mean, that's economics also. So, yeah, so in, in political advertising, um, people will pay more attention to attack ads than they will to if you came out and said, oh, here's my beautiful family, here's my nice dog, and the other guy's <laughs> nice too, and we're all nice, and you know, and vote for who you like. People are not going to pay attention. Yeah, so to break yeah. through the clutter and to get it on the top of people's minds, it's, it, that's almost a necessity. Now, having said that, I find, yeah, the, the ads are negative, but, but the production values have improved over the years as as the candidates and their campaigns have gotten better and more skillful. Mm-hmm. Now, that's either good or bad, because if their production values are better, maybe their ads are, are more effective, and maybe when they were doing, you know, lousy little ads, you kind of say, well, you, look, whatever, they, they, they yeah. don't know what the heck they're doing. Yeah. Right. But, but the ads have gotten better. The tone is, you know, is, is never civil at this time. Yeah. You, know, you just really don't expect that. And it's a little bit like back to lawyering. If you've ever been uh, as part of a case on a jury or something like that, I've been an expert witness. Um, the lawyers go at each other's throats, but after the case is over, they go out and have a beer together. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of an ethic or a morality to this which says, you know, once we're in the arena, we can be as nasty as we want to each other. But when we're outside the arena, then we, we we're you know, civil. revert we're... back to, you know, so we know it's a game. Yeah. That's what they're saying, yeah. All right, let's look at some uh, examples of maybe some ads that stood out to you, at least on the presidential level, um, from, from both Obama and Romney. Um, yeah, what's a, a best ad or worst ad from Obama or something that you just really remember um, standing out in, in the well, hundreds you know, of we, ads? Once again, we don't get as many here as everybody, but the Morgan Freeman ad on the plus side, uh, talking about Obama's accomplishments and so on, just because his voice, his tone, mm-hmm. it has the right tone. Tone is big in advertising, too. So while you're being nasty, the tone hasn't been as strident or as nasty. The tone's been moderate, but the words have been nasty, I would say, this time around. I just kind of get that feeling. So the Morgan Freeman ad stands out the most to me on that side. Um, The one that's gotten the most controversy lately for uh, Mitt Romney is the Jeep ad, Mm -hmm. saying, you know, that uh, Obama uh, saved... uh, you know, the, the automotive industry, and he's in cahoots with the Italians because Fiat, you know, bought out Chrysler, and now they're going to make Jeeps in China, which is going to take jobs away from us, which is 
They may make Jeeps in China because that, those are the Jeeps they're going to sell in China. I guarantee you, they're not going to, you know, make them in China. And so, so this, you know, so that's a, a big mistake on his part. Having said that, and I, you know, I, I was watching uh, the news just before I came over here. One thing you do notice about Mitt Romney, he's kind of loosened up a little. You know, when he was, you know, fighting for the nomination, he was very stiff. You know, we remember Al Gore was kind of that way. John Kerry had that problem, and of late, when he's had to go in the attack. He's kind of loosened up. Of course, as people said, his jo- his only job right now is to run for president. Yeah. <laughs> or Barack Obama's got to run the country and deal with Hurricane Sandy and do all that stuff, too. Yeah. Now, this is election has I should ask you about, about that. Do you have... Uh, about my... Uh, yeah, your favorite. The, yeah. <laughs> you know what? My favorite ad is is the Big Bird ad because it's okay. so silly. Have you, Do you know which one I'm talking no, about? No, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's an ad that's kind of saying there's... There's all these, you know, horrible people out there who, you know, are wasting our money mm-hmm. or the budget shouldn't be spent mm-hmm. on. So like banker, oh, no, that kind of thing. That. And then I they're like, and, yeah. and Big Bird. Yeah. And it's it's just really silly. I, I mean, for, for the sheer entertainment value. Yeah, out of the debates. Yeah, so out of the see, debates. He even said to the moderator who is from public TV or something. Yeah. You know, I, I love, you know public tv but i don't but, feel we should be spending our money on yeah it. and then uh and then we get big bird ads everywhere yeah. uh in in addition to uh analyzing political ads i know you also mm. look at super bowl ads every yeah. year right. uh what do you prefer to look at or to analyze <laughs> oh, right. well, yeah I, I like product ads better but political ads are interesting too if you if you're really you know uh, a student of advertising because one thing we haven't talked about is kind of the uh the slogan or the tagline or the mnemonic, the memory device, and how mm-hmm. you can see a lot of them striving. You know, Barack Obama came out one day and said he has romnesia, you know. So they're looking for something like the the flip-flopping tag that, that got linked to Kerry last time and pretty much killed his yeah. candidacy. And the swift boating thing where they came out and said, well, yeah, he's claiming to be a, a Vietnam hero, but, you know, he really isn't because his older guys that were, you know, we're in the Navy with him, and they say that he wasn't, and whatever, yeah. So if you can get people to remember those very simple things, even though they may not seem like they have any credibility and so on, sometimes they stick to people, and they, so you watch that. So that's back to that one idea per ad. The Big Bird, you remember the Big Bird? That's yeah. a memory device. Um, I remember Morgan Freeman's voice and tone. That's mm-hmm. a memory device. And so they they try really, really hard to come up with, those things, although they haven't done a good job this year because the Democrats have tried to paint Romney as a flip flopper, hasn't worked. You know, mm-hmm. he's I'm you know I'm going to say this. Uh, I don't think this is too much of a bias, but he's a good salesman. He's a good salesman. You know, he'll sell you anything, and he'll change his point of view to sell you whatever he you know he wants to sell you. They've tried to pin that on him, but some people see that as being a good businessman. Mm-hmm. So, well, maybe this is the guy we want to manage our economy because he's going to create jobs. Look, this is what a business person actually does so so they're trying to do that very very hard this time around but i don't the reason i think it's very competitive is because i think barack obama is a very positive you know president he's done good things and romney late in the game for some reason i don't know if he has good coaches or what has happened but he's coming across a lot better than he did yeah early on so it's it's a horse race uh i guess one last question how long do you think it will be before we start to see ads for the next election regardless of results well, yeah, it's starting earlier and earlier isn't it? so once you know whether romney or obama are elected you know the whoever's going to run next time you know they're going to they're, they're going to start i i don't know yeah advertising is is funny because if, if if you're in the business it's it's so obvious to me an ad is 30 seconds maybe 60 seconds and in 30 and 60 seconds, and it's fleeting. Mm-hmm. So if you just know that, even if you know nothing about advertising, you say, well, what can I do in 30, 60 seconds to get people to remember it? And then I have to repeat it. And that's where the media weight comes. So I have to repeat it over and over and over again. And um, so what they do, what they try to do, which can result in an irritating ad, that's what they're really trying to do. Mm-hmm. But if they go over that line and it just irritates you and frustrates you, then, you know, then they're then advertising in general, you know, has less effect. But having said that, here's, here's the, maybe the last thing I'll say. I think some of advertising's success is because most of us think it's not effective. And because we don't think it's effective, we kind of let our guard down. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't believe in subliminal advertising or subconscious kind of stuff and stuff like that. But I do believe that when we let our guard down and we get distracted or we just really don't believe it's effective, 
that's when it really has a chance <laughs> to be Cause, effective. Because we're not, we're not yeah. paying attention. We're not yeah. up in arms. Just the fact that people are irritated tells me that they're paying attention. You know, people even said, um, you know, people um, uh, surf or scan past, past the ads. And some people did research and found out. But in order to do that, you have to pay attention to, to when the ad starts and when the ad ends. And so people have intentionally put their message and their logo in the middle of the ad because your eye is fixated there to figure out when it starts and when it ends. Hmm. Tricky. Say, tricky. <laughs> yeah, when your when your guard is down. Well, hopefully yeah. we we will bid farewell to ads for a while, and we can. What's the it's the beauty of a democracy, right? Because nobody, <laughs> yeah. you know, nobody. Ta- that's that's the whole thing in a democracy. Nobody's telling us. There's not a dictatorship telling us what to do. We just have to put up with the messiness of of advertising for years. So yeah. Well, thank you so much for okay. uh, coming out and chatting tonight. It's been an absolute okay. pleasure. It was fun. That was Bruce Vandenberg, recently retired MSU advertising professor, discussing political ads. A couple live updates for you guys. Uh, via NBCnews.com, it's confirmed that Romney has won both Kentucky and Indiana. NPR's reporting he's also taken Georgia as well as South Carolina. President Obama has taken Vermont as well as New Hampshire. Uh, according to NBCnews.com, it's a 19-3 lead in favor of Romney. Coming up, we'll have some more information potentially on both Florida and Virginia's elections. For some students, uh, we were just talking about advertisements, and for some students, it seemed to have uh, little effect on their opinion. Impact reporter, Impact reporter Lauren Godleski took to the streets to find out why some students are not voting. Okay. My name is Lindsay Halberdick. I'm a neuroscience major, and I'm not voting because I don't really follow it, and I don't really see how it would impact my life anyway. I'm Alyssa Warner. I'm a freshman. I'm in School of Journalism. I'm not voting this year because I don't have a big, like, nobody's really swayed me. Nobody did a good enough job for me, so. My name is Mark Thompson. My major is geology, and I just don't really believe in this whole two-party system. I think that we elect the president based on popularity. It's just a popularity vote, and that the system just doesn't work. That no president really gets the job done. We're always going to be in this state if we don't change something, like get some new policies. And, it's just the same old stuff that we've always had. Uh, my name is Maggie Mahalchuk. I'm a dietetics major, and I'm not voting because I'm not from Michigan and I didn't have time to register. But with all the political stuff on social media, I really wish I, now I wish I registered. So. What's your home state? Illinois. So if you were at home, do you think you would have voted? Yeah. Brad Glasser, freshman, undecided. And I'm not voting because I just didn't like sign up to vote in time. Uh, like I didn't register. Uh, that's my reason why. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Emmanuel Berry, and you're listening to Impact Exposure. A couple more election updates for you guys. We have Obama favored to win Virginia uh, by 56%. That's via CNN, and the AP is reporting that Obama is projected to win Florida. As I said earlier, uh, it looks like Romney has taken Kentucky, Indiana, Georgia, and South Carolina. Not all of those quite confirmed yet, um, and that Obama has Vermont and New Hampshire. But up next, Impact reporters Michaela Colonna... Um, reports on the atmosphere of our college campus that makes some students feel the need to stifle their political views. There's a stereotype that all college students are liberal, morally, politically, and socially. But that's not the case. Take MSU German junior Kayla Kruch, for example. She said that she usually keeps her political views under wraps. However, this is the first semester that Kruch has encountered some harsh opposition to her beliefs. One day I was walking through CATA and uh, there were a group of students for Obama asking students to change their address to register to vote here in East Lansing. And then they asked me who I was supporting and I said Romney and they walked away. They wouldn't let me fill out the sheet to change my address. Kruch said she felt shunned and ignored. You know, we aren't, we aren't the loudest in the bunch, I would say. That's journalism junior Mackenzie Moore. I am not strictly Republican. I definitely have more conservative beliefs. I would not consider myself very political in general. A lot of it isn't worth my time. So what it comes down to is always choosing the lesser of two evils. A lot of times that might fall on the Republican side. She said what separates her from other students is her view on change. I think a lot of the younger political generations are kind of enticed by the whole change thing. Change is good, change is important. We don't want to get stuck 
in a certain era, but just because you want to change something doesn't mean it has to be changed drastically. Fred Fico is an advisor for the MSU College Republicans and the MSU Conservative Club, a member of conservative faculty and staff here on campus, as well as an MSU journalism professor. Conservatives, and especially conservative students on a university campus, are wolflings. Normally they came up in aversive environments where the popular sort of orthodoxy was liberalism. So if they kept being conservatives, they had to be tough. And I think that's a, a hallmark. They, conservatives tend to know what they believe, and they've paid a price for those beliefs. Fico said students have come to him saying faculty have assaulted their beliefs. I think uh, conservatives um, feel more acutely the biases that faculty bring in, and in places where they have no right to be. Freshman Brendan Johnson, an international relations major here at MSU, agrees that liberal ideas are more prevalent, but they haven't changed his conservative views at all. I don't really think it's changed me. It takes a lot to change my mind. Even though his views haven't changed, he says it's important to hear both sides. If you're blind to everything, then your argument is just as wrong as any argument that you think is wrong. And you can only have a sound argument by acknowledging that others exist. And if you really believe in what you believe, then hearing other people who believe otherwise will only strengthen your views. For the Impact Exposure, I'm Michaela Colonna. You're listening to Impact Exposure on... Impact Exposure, Manuel Berry here. We've got your election covered here on the Impact. A couple updates for you guys. We have Obama favored to win in Virginia, according to CNN, Fox, and the AP. NBC saying it's too close to call. Uh, the AP has projected Obama to win Florida. Fox has it tied at 50-50. It is official that Obama has won Vermont, according to the AP, as well as New Hampshire. That's according to NPR. NBC News has Romney with Kentucky in Indiana, and NPR reports that Georgia is going to Romney, as well as South Carolina. We also took time to talk to students who cannot vote here on campus uh, this week. Anyone who attends Michigan State University knows that international students make up a prominent part of our population. But these students can't vote in the United States elections. So what do they think about our political practices? Impact's Gabby Saldivia has this story. International student and media and information sophomore Zhao Lifu is talking to her friend in China about the current presidential election. One of the topics of conversation? The differences between the presidential elections in China and here in the United States. Um, This year is also the day maybe the Chinese president may be changed. And that I just asked my friend why we don't have the vote in China, because the president just selected by the government instead of us. In fall of 2011, there was a total close to 6,000 international students enrolled at MSU. According to a statistical report from the Office of International Students and Scholars, about 3,000 of them were from China. Last Friday, ASMSU co-hosted an event with the Residence Halls Association called Obama vs. Romney, the election for the President of the United States of America. This event was for international students, specifically from China, to learn more about the upcoming election. Fu said she received an email about the event, but didn't go. Me and my friends would just ignore such emails and don't show much interest on that. Although some international students, like Fu, feel apathetic towards the election. We just wait here to see who will be the president, and we don't participate in that. Some do not. Santiago Montiel, a journalism sophomore, is an international student from Mexico. He said he likes to keep up with the election by reading the newspaper. I think Obama will address like immigration issues more in a more liberal way, which is kind of what I wish. Like, everybody should get a chance to, like, have a peaceful life, and I think Obama goes more with it. Out of all of the five students I talked to, every student said they were more likely to vote for Obama if given the chance. This falls in line with a survey taken earlier this month by the BBC World Service. The poll showed that nations strongly prefer Barack Obama over Mitt Romney. Nicole Igoy is an international student from Nigeria. Well, Romney is Mormon, and I am as well. And Obama is black, and I am as well. <laughs> so, I, I like Obama. He's, he's been doing well, so I, I guess he should win again. And for some candidates, it's all about celebrity. I don't really know much things about Mary Romney, but I know a lot of things about Obama because he's very famous in China. That was accounting freshman Ting Ting Huang, 
who also goes by Emily.、Uh, his famous、uh, words like "Yes, we can" is very famous in China. So maybe I know more things about Obama and make me more like Obama. She, like Fu, is also from China. I feel excited because everybody vote here is a big things here. I feel excited, but it's not really matter for me. So Wang, like many other international students, doesn't have an extreme opinion about the election, but she said she wants what's best for America because it's kind of like none of my business. Yeah, but.、Mm, Who will lead America a good future? I want to win. For Impact Exposure, I'm Gabby Saldivia. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Emmanuel Berry, and you're listening to Impact Exposure. A bunch of election coverage for you guys tonight. We'll be giving you live updates throughout our show. Coming up.、Uh, Potentially more information coming from Ohio, West Virginia, and as well as North Carolina.、Uh, official tally right now is three nineteen, a Romney lead for the Electoral College. But we're going to start weaning you off of election coverage and all this news about politics.、Uh, we spoke with members from the Hindi Fusion Acapella Group, MSU Spartan Sir,、uh, and they stopped by to talk about mixing cultures through music.、Uh, so first, could I have you guys introduce yourselves and tell me a little bit about your role in Spartan Sir? Hey guys,、uh, um, my name is Karthik. I'm the president of Spartan Sir.、Uh, my name is Shama, and I'm the vice president and co-founder of Spartan Sir. Now, I've always been curious about this. Where, what does Spartan Sir mean, and where did this name come from?、Um, actually, my mom is the one that came up with it.、Uh, she came up with the name Sir, and it means melody in Hindi. Okay, so you are Spartan melodies. <laughs> I like it. I like it.、Um, so, how did you guys come? To be, how did Spartan Sir?、Uh, give me, give me the brief history, I guess, of Spartan Sir. Well,、uh, the idea for it first came up in a McDonald's parking lot at like three o'clock in the morning in Troy, and、um, my friend and I, Shivani, who's the other co-founder, she、um, had heard of Maze Mirchi and we talked about it, and then we kind of both figured out we both like to sing, and so it just kind of went from there and. Here we are. <laughs>、uh, so you mentioned Maze Mirchi.、Um, so the thing that distinguishes you guys, I guess, from other acapella groups per se on campus is that you guys do a fusion of、mm. Hindi and、uh, kind of American pop, R and B, whatever、mm. you want to throw in there.、Uh, talk about how. Talk about, I guess, other groups around the country that do that and how that influences the work that you guys do. Yeah, the the South Asian acapella community is actually、um, pretty big. There's.、Um, There's a lot of acapella groups from all across the nation.、Um, Maze Mirchi is actually from U of M,、uh, and they're the South Asian acapella group there.、Um, yeah, and actually, like the community is pretty big. There's competitions that are specifically for this genre.、Um, there's one called Gatherho that takes place in Iowa every year,、um, and that's in the second semester. So you guys are relatively new still.、Um, this is what three. Three years. Three、yes. years.、Um, it takes a little while to get things going.、Uh, can you talk about the growth that you guys have seen in those three years,、um, and I guess where you hope things will continue to go? It has been unbelievable how much we've grown. We went from singing in an apartment,、yeah. uh, in my apartment in Cedar Village, in with like eight people, to now having this like thirteen member super league, and we're so legitimate now. It's so exciting. <laughs> <laughs> And for you, Karthik,、mm-hmm. um, what has what has seen this growth been like, or what have you、um, seen、uh, in your guys's、uh, three years change?、Um, well, to be honest, it's kind of embarrassing to admit, but、uh, the first when we started, we took actually a whole semester to kind of to actually learn one song <laughs> and to perfect it. And it was like a one minute and thirty second snippet of a song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> but like now you know we're we we have multiple pieces in the running. We have multiple pe-、uh, pieces that are being arranged right now, and like the growth has been tremendous, you know. And um, just to like um, like together as a group, we've fostered that um that mindset, that um like passion for music, and that passion specifically for acapella music, and um, it's it's actually been. Amazing when you have all these people like working towards one goal, and we can really, you know, it, it gives the confidence that you can achieve so much. 
Now, it, what's interesting, uh, as we've said before, is that you guys take uh, Hindi songs, and sometimes you just sing Hindi or you just sing pop songs, but sometimes you will mash them together with Americanized pop music. Uh, do you think that says anything about your guys' own personal culture uh, as being kind of a mashup of American and, and Indian? Mm-hmm. Really. Um, well, as a group, you know, like, some of our members, like, not all members speak, um, like, our native language. Um, you know, um, a lot of us are born here and grown up here, and, you know, America, this our, the culture America's here home. Is, is home. Yeah, yeah really. Um, so, you know, having that through our music, we really do express, like, our identity, um, you know, we're we're still just as much rooted in the American culture as we are in um, the Indian culture, and I think just um, just like singing and expressing that through music is um, it's an honor. Uh, so, how about we take a listen to one of your songs now? But uh, let's talk a little bit about it first before we play it. Um, Set fire to the rain. You done a mashup with what Hindi song? And how I guess how did this uh, come about? It's matched up with a song called Ye Daryan from, um, it's from a Hindi movie, and I'm not sure how it came about, but it is, I think, across the board in our group, it is one of our favorite songs to perform, it's one of our favorite pieces, and I think it's one of our best arrangements.
Impact Exposure. I'm your host, Emmanuel Berry. Uh, in studio with me, I have members of Spartan Sur, the Hindi Fusion Acapella Group here on Michigan State University's campus. Uh, we have Karthik as well as Shama joining us today to talk about their work. And you just listened to uh, Set Fire to the Rain. And Yay, there we are. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you. They're sparing me and saving me here. Um, what do you think makes you guys unique as a group or stand out as a group on campus compared to some of the other acapella groups? I think that our passion, I, don't, I think that translates really well in our music, and I think that, not that other groups are not passionate, but from my experience with just our members, like, we eat, breathe, and sleep a cappella, and, like, we're so passionate about this group mm-hmm. and making it successful that people put everything they have into it, and I think that it shows in our music and in our arrangements and when we perform. Do you think the fact that you guys mix uh, traditional, or you mix Hindi music with American music, that it's um, providing exposure to a wider audience who wouldn't typically um, hear Hindi music or know anything about it? Yeah, there. Um, some of some people that we got like feedback from Acapulusa was that they were just so in awe when they heard a mashup of you know this really popular American song they hear on the radio all the time and this like random you know. Indian song like people just have never heard it before and I think that we've I don't know we've get we got good feedback from it so yeah they really liked it so what what do you see as the future of Spartan sir I know you, there's a strong community of Southeast Asian acapella groups out there do you see you guys, you guys uh continuing to build um and and become a top tier <laughs> a group within that community or yeah what's what's the future of sir really I think um well, that's definitely one of our goals is to really go to these um, competitions and, you know, win. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, hope. I think most of us want uh, to be the best of the best. We want to be up there, like you said, the top of the tier. Uh, maybe eventually we can get to a place where we can perform for like across the country. Maybe tour colleges and mm-hmm. do things like that. Before uh, you guys leave, I'd like to. One more song? Can we can we listen to one yeah, more song? Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, what are we going to listen to? So this song is called uh, Man Mohini, um, and it's um, it's actually um, based um, very much on the Indian classical music system, and it's very mm-hmm. unique in that you know it's it sounds very um, it's very Indian, um, <laughs> and it's we kind of like made it fusion-y, we made it uh, more modern, but we also tried to keep the the essence of um, the classical music. All right. Well, once again, thank you, Karthik and Shama, for coming in. Yes, thank uh, you. Thank you for having us. They are members of the group Spartan Sir, MSU's Hindi fusion acapella group here on campus.
Emmanuel Berry, and you're listening to Impact Exposure. That was Spartan Sir, the Hindi Fusion Acapella Group here on campus. A little break uh, from the election coverage, uh, stressing people out here. Uh, anyway, but we do have uh, some updates for you guys. It looks like NBC Net New- NBCnews.com has Romney projected to win Virginia, uh, Georgia, as well as North Carolina. AP projects him to win Indiana as well. AP and BBC are confirming that he's won Kentucky, uh, West Virginia, and NBC and CNN. Um, have confirmed Indiana. Um, so results coming in from everywhere. Lots of lots of different uh, uh, angles here. And we have Obama is confirmed with the Vermont projected to win New Hampshire uh, and South Carolina. We're getting results from everywhere. Everyone's saying something different. So we're going to hold off on that one. Uh, more updates to come for you guys later in the hour. But first, Impact's Carmen Scruggs wants to know, wants to know what advice students have for future for the future president. If you could say anything to the future president, what would it be? I would tell my future president that I think that America shouldn't be so afraid of losing power. And I think that the influence that we have across the world is not necessarily something that's a good thing. And so I'd really want a president who would be willing to work to have other countries rise up and be a part of the world just as much as we are. And I would also hope that the president would be able to reflect that same mentality within the country. Uh, I would like to say to the president, whoever would be, to just focus on the environment because that's something that affects everything from the economy to health care and things like that. If I could say anything to him as a president, I would say don't let America become the world's bully and recognize that uh, we are a nation of immigrants and also welcome them because without them our nation wouldn't have been built. I would say good luck with the next four years and I'd also say you know make decisions uh, for the people. We need to create jobs and don't start World War III. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Emmanuel Berry, Impact Exposure. People around the country are getting ready for a long night of waiting for election results to come in. Impact reporter Abby Newton joins us from a watch party here on campus in Acres Hall. Hi, Abby. Hi, how are you? Good. How's it going? Good, very good. I'm here at Acres Hall in a watch party, and you can just sense the excitement. Everyone has gravitated toward the TV. People are truly engulfed by the results on screen. Are, are, are there lots of noises, people uh, uh, screaming at the way things are coming up, are cheering? What's going on? Um, people are more in little groups, and then as soon as numbers come up, they kind of all huddle in their group and talk about it for a second and then start their eyes straight to the screen again. It's actually quite entertaining. <laughs> uh, do you have anyone there who'd like to yes. chat with us? Yes, I'm here with freshman Logan Pritchard, and he is a crop and soil studies student from Michigan, and he um, did absentee ballot this year, so he did vote. And so I'm just kind of talking to him, and he's going to discuss what he's thinking of the results so far. So here's Logan. Hey, Logan. Hello. Hi, how's it going? Well, it's a little too early to find out right now. I mean, not very many people, not very many ballots have come in, and there's still still have a lot of time before the end of end of day. So you're not going to invest too much feeling into it yet. Well, I don't I don't see the point in it yet. In I mean, it yet? It's exciting, but it's think- not the fourth quarter yet. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a smart way to go about it. Uh, with, don't 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 get too panicked yet. Uh, yeah, we do we do have a long long night ahead of us. Like I said, uh, so is this this is your first election? Yes, it's my first major like election. And how does it feel? You've you've voted. It's it's almost over with. How do you feel about it? Well, I feel excited that I, part- I participated in something that uh, affects our entire country. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Well, thank you, Logan, so much for uh, speaking with us. Uh, Abby, you still there? Abby? Emmanuel? Hi. Hi, Abby. <laughs> Hi. Um, well, that was Logan. Yeah, that was Logan. And first-time voter there, kind of excited. Maybe some smart advice for some watchers out there. You know, don't stress out too much. We have a long night to go, as he said, ahead of us. Uh, well, Hi. thank you so much for uh, calling in and checking in with us, Abby. Oh, you're quite welcome. Enjoy the rest of the election. Yeah, enjoy the watch party. Thank you. Bye-bye.
so every year at the polls, voters are given the option to write in their ideal candidate on the ballot. Impacts Gabby Saldivia uh, went out and talked with students about who they would write in and why. If you were to write in anybody in the world on the ballot, who would it be? All right, my name is Kelsey Trainer. I'm a freshman with a general management um, major, and I wouldn't write anyone into the ballot because I think that the people that are on the ballot right now have clearly like have, are on the ballot for a reason. So they don't really need anyone else to kind of be put in at this point. Estevan Jean. I'm a sophomore, and um, my major is accounting. And so, who would you write in? Myself, because I think I'll be a great leader. Everybody would love me. What about you? I'm Stephen Bixby. I'm a freshman and I'm a marketing major. Um, and I wouldn't write anyone else in because um, I agree with Romney's economic reform plans. And uh, I think we need like a businessman to get us back on track. I'm Hannah Grossman, and my major is undecided, and I'm a freshman. I'd put Kanye West because he's my favorite rapper, and I really like him, even though a lot of people hate him. <laughs> For Impact Exposure, I'm Gabby Saldivia. You are now watching the throne. Don't let me get in my zone. Don't let me get in my zone. Don't let me get in my zone. Impact Exposure, Gabby Saldivia there talking with students about the writing candidates. One of them said, Kanye West, not sure if I uh, want Kanye to be my president, but uh, people are entitled to their opinions. Anyway, now for a highly debated topic on our college campus. Which candidate do you find the most attractive? Carmen Shrugs reports. Which vice presidential or presidential candidate do you think is the most attractive? I would say Paul Ryan, due to the fact that he's, you know, one of the younger candidates out there. It's uh, what I think the most, the general upper class American would look like. You know, full head of hair, somewhat in shape, uh, tall with like a dominating presence. Barack Obama is a man who is quite easy on the eyes, in my opinion. You know, I don't, I don't think he's half bad. Uh, Barack Obama is definitely more attractive obviously, uh, because he doesn't um, tan his skin uh, to try to look like more of a race, you know, so I definitely, he really focuses more on his natural looks, I think that, you know, and he still looks good, you know, clean cut guy, you know, never, always shaves, i never seen him looking scruffy, so I think that's awesome. Um, I would definitely say Mitt Romney, because I think he's a very attractive old guy. <laughs> Um, I would say Obama. Just the way he carries himself, I think that's really what makes him more attractive. I think Joe Biden, because he has a nice smile. I would say Barack Obama. He is attractive. <laughs> I think Paul Ryan is. Uh, definitely Barack Obama, like she said, just that powerful swag. Like, that's just so, like, yes, empowered and charged. I love that. You're listening to Impact Exposure. Hey, what floor are you going to? <clears throat> oh, uh, three. Thanks. <coughs> hey, didn't we, uh, have... Yeah, that one class. Yeah, that's so funny to, <laughs> to see you, because I <coughs> thought maybe we could, uh... Would you ever want to, um... <coughs> I was wondering if you... If I could stick my finger in your eye. What? No. Oh, I just flushed some toilets and touched a doorknob. What? I've been keeping this moist Kleenex Ew, in my pocket. that's uh, so gross. I thought we could, you know, just stick my finger Ugh. in your eye. Is that weird? No! Don't touch me! What's wrong with you? Oh, sorry. Well, ever since you got in the elevator, you've been coughing all over your hands and pressing those buttons, so I just thought you were into that kind of thing. Free. Studies show that three-quarters of women and only half of men actually wash their hands in the bathroom. That's nasty. Stop the flu and other germs by regularly washing with soap and avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Or at cdc.gov slash clean hands. Impact 89 FM. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Prime Time. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. From 10 p.m. until midnight Sunday nights, listen to the Impact Afterglow, where you can hear a variety of relaxed tracks to help you ease into the start of a new week. Only on Impact Primetime. Prime Time. Now back to Impact Exposure.
Emmanuel Berry, and you're listening to Impact Exposure. Some election updates for you guys. We currently have a 3 to 33 in the Electoral College, according to CNN.com. That's with Romney, 33, President Obama with 3. Polls closed in Ohio around 7.30, so we're awaiting to hear results from that. Um, We have Romney projected to win um, in Georgia, Virginia, and Ohio, potentially, um, that he's already taken both uh, taken South Carolina, Indiana, and Kentucky. That's according to NBC. Obama has taken Vermont, and he is projected to win New Hampshire. Uh, more updates coming for you guys uh, throughout the night. We only have a couple minutes left of the show, but we're going to stay on it for you guys. Anyway, uh, in this election, more than any other election before, social media are providing to be an important component. Uh, Reporter Thea Card found reviews. uh, Reporter Thea Card reviews the role that political memes played in this year's election. Do you watch The Office? You know that episode when Jim dresses up like Dwight? Down to the mustard-colored shirt, huge bifocals, and slicked-down hair? Jim sits down in front of Dwight and says... Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. After the final presidential debate, a meme spread around Twitter and Facebook. It was a picture of Jim, and the caption said, Big Bird, Binders, Bayonets. Use of social media has increased in the past few years, giving politics a new platform to stand on. With tools like memes and YouTube parodies, people are also able to express their frustrations. Mitt Romney style. Romney style. Mitt. A meme is an image or video shared on the internet that highlights something in the news or in our culture and gives it a funny twist. After the presidential debates, memes took over Facebook. Images of Bill Clinton giving mischievous grins and a caption, Stop the debate. I want to hear more about this binder. Or a photo of Republican vice presidential candidate Paul Ryan with a caption, Hey, girl, let's get fiscal. Uh, my favorite one is <laughs> the binders full of women memes. That's Michigan State University theater senior Ryan Bennett. He says he also really enjoyed the memes from last year when the Republican Party was looking for a candidate. They put everything behind him. They're like, Rick Perry hates Nutella. <laughs> Touche to them. So what's the value of a meme behind the humor? Do they matter? I think it probably reinforces people who already have a particular commitment, but it energizes different bases with different issues. That's MSU journalism professor Bonnie Buckaroo. We saw during the summer that various memes would go around on the war on women, and all of a sudden the progressive women would be all energized with one set of memes. The conservative women would be energized with a different set. Twitter is also a great way for people to voice their opinions about the candidates. I was governor for four years in a row. Governor elections are held every four years. So far, the only zingers are in Chris Christie's glove compartment. Obama is winning the looking amazingly condescending when the other guy is talking race. The funny thing about Twitter is um, celebrities. This is Bennett again. For some, like, I think they have control of their own Twitters. And so they can actually say what they want. So you see a lot of, like, support and stuff that way. Although memes and tweets are on the Internet forever once they've been posted, Buckaroo says timeliness is important. The interesting thing about memes is that they have a very short half-life. So unless they occur right before an election, they probably help set the tone in the polling and part of the narrative that goes into the fall election. But how much power they continue to have depends on how, on the timing. But who is making these memes? Buggeroo says the people who make memes are the ones who are often affected by the issues. You know, it's interesting. Uh, For some of the women's memes, it's been women in their 40s and 50s because I know them. (laughs) So it's not just young people. Students like Global Humanities Studies junior Allison Alvarado say that these memes are purely entertainment. Probably about five or six hours of social media. Um, well, on Facebook, five or six hours, maybe another hour or two combined with doing YouTube and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's just a lot because you'll be on it in class. That's another development. YouTube. This election has used YouTube to its full potential, streaming debates live. This kind of extremism. Mr. President, 
Well, my first job as Commander-in-Chief, Bob, is to keep the American people safe. And that's what we've done over the last four years. But YouTube has also cornered the market on political parodies. There are several versions of Mitt Romney and Barack Obama facing off in rap battles. There are auto-tuned songs of Romney speeches. There's an anger translator for Obama. These videos are expressing the frustrations and hypocrisies seen in politics. If the White House is a first, second, and a third lady, ha! Don't bring up wives, man. What are you doing? You got hitched to the female version of Patrick Ewing. Uh, let me be clear. Uh, don't get it twisted. We'll see how pretty your face is after my face is kissed. Uh, 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 Even with YouTube memes and tweets, social media might not change Alvarado's mind. Because those are just for fun. Like, you don't have to take, I don't take those serious. So, like, what turns my vote is, you know, the political debates on, like, on TV and things like that. Bennett says he doesn't even take the memes seriously. It's honestly, it's satire. It's someone making fun of something political and putting their own comment on it. I don't think that that influences my, my election choice because it's not fact. This election, as in the one before, is a stepping stone for social media. But it's looking like voters still care about the issues more than the parodies. For Impact Exposure, I'm Thea Card. Impact's Thea Card there talking about social media and memes in this election. The tweets from that story came from Twitter handles Jack Burke, DJ Rotary Rachel, and Jim Sterling. YouTube clip played there, Mitt Romney style. A couple updates for you guys. According to NBC.com, the Electoral College is now thirty or is now three to forty nine. We have Obama with Vermont. Um, projected to win Florida, North Carolina, Ohio, which are all very close, so that could change, uh, as well as New Hampshire. Romney with uh, Indiana, Kentucky, West Virginia, South Carolina, and Georgia, and he's projected to win Virginia. Uh, this election has played out like a movie. It's been pretty dramatic here already tonight. Um, and with Like the dramatics of a large-scale cinema impacts, Anjana Schrader went out to find out how students would score the election if given the chance. The only one I can think of is all I do is win because somebody's got to win. It's called Warrior. It's by BAP. It's kind of like a song about people fighting. <laughs> it's classic, I guess. So why do you think that? Um, because what I've seen like from commercials and stuff, it seems like they're really going at each other, and it's a really heated debate, I guess. Okay, she said that um, she'll pick the song I whip my hair back and forth because like you're going back and forth with like the president and the senators, yeah, like, you know, trying to get you to elect them and stuff, so. <laughs> it just came to my head. I was just thinking about how, you know, Republicans, Democrats always go back and forth. So. <laughs> it's just funny. <laughs> Can It Be Now by Men at Work. Oh, it's the best saxophone song ever made. Oh, I always think of that song. Always.
Why does that remind you of the, of the election? I don't know. It's just like all the presidents come out to that song most of the time. And that's what I remember from the elections before. Emmanuel Berry, and you are tuned to Impact Exposure. Uh, one last update for you guys before uh, we close tonight. According to NBC.com, we still have the Electoral College 3-33, to 33, Obama with winning Vermont. Uh, very close races in North Carolina and Florida um, and Ohio, but uh, NBC.com reports that the gap is widening in Ohio and Florida. And we also have Obama projected to win New Hampshire. Romney has win- has won Indiana, Kentucky, West Virginia, South Carolina, as well as Georgia, and is projected to take Virginia. Thank you so much for joining us for our election coverage tonight. I'm your host, Emmanuel Berry, and this is Impact Exposure. Broadcasting from the campus of Michigan State University, you've been listening to Impact Exposure.